Saul had murder on his mind. May have been thinking about these days, even back when he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, being schooled in the finer points of Judaism. As he heard rumors and then finally saw evidence of those who were determined to become followers of a dead leader, whom they thought to be alive. To him, they were simply another heretical cult who had come to be known as followers of the way. Ah, the way. What way? When you look at that through the eyes of the terrorist, it makes you sick. And the fact that their ranks were enlarging, enlarging, almost month after month, it seemed, someone had to do something about that. Saul became a one-man army. He'll take on that task without reservation and without hesitation. No matter where he must go or what he must do, Jerusalem could not contain him. Wherever he would get orders to go, he would take those papers and round them up, put them in chains. No cult like this deserved to continue. Every one of those followers needed to be hunted down, arrested, put in chains, brought back to Jerusalem, placed on trial, silenced, and ideally removed forever from society. That's his MO. That's his agenda. No exaggeration. He has become now fueled by a religion which is a dangerous fuel when you're on the wrong side. He's now willing to take on a city 150 miles away from Jerusalem, whatever it takes. Sure, he'll go there, Damascus, whatever. There's no place he won't pursue. They have no idea the plans he has in mind. But believe me, they knew about Saul of Tarsus. At least the believers did. They weren't known as Christians early on. They were known as followers of the way. And that group became the, the bullseye of his target. Truly a serial terrorist. And if you knew anything about 
His thoughts during the day and his dreams during the night, you'd fear him too. Because he's after you. And he's after me. If that seems like an exaggeration, listen to his own words as he, years later, looks back and remembers his life when he was filled with hostility and hatred. Quote from Saul himself, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus. Jesus the Nazarene, indeed. I did just that in Jerusalem. I caused many believers there and elsewhere to be sent to prison. I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. Say it! Say it! I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. Read it for yourself. Acts 26, 7 through 11. It's all there. And if you listen closely, you will notice that the real center of the bullseye were not the followers of the way, but the way himself, Jesus. Curse that name. He was after Jesus of Nazareth. This false Messiah that his colleagues have already put to death. The Sanhedrin has taken care of him, nailed him to a cross, got him in a grave, sealed it, gone, gone, finally gone. And now these people have the audacity to be spreading the rumor that he is alive. That's got to stop. That cannot go on. They must be silenced. And he stopped at nothing to make that happen. He is opposed to this one individual whom he claims is dead but is very much alive and is watching his every move. How ironic it is that the one who saw himself as the, the ultimate hunter is in fact the hunted. He had no idea 
no idea. All through the hunt, the hunter was being hunted by the sovereign hunter. It wasn't until Saul was on that 150-mile road to Damascus, almost at his destination, that a whole new agenda was introduced to him. And he realized the roles are reversed. He is now the target. And the sovereign hunter has found his target. I remember when my sons and I were doing a lot of hunting back years ago, it was fun to sit around a campfire and uh, talk about experiences you have when you have hunted in years past. And your boys are with you and, and you're sharing stories. I remember passing along to them one of my favorite rules. Let's agree, guys, that we will never hunt anything that if we miss our shot, hunts us. <laughs> Got it? So let's don't go after bears. Let's don't take on elephants. <laughs> let's don't think we can go after leopards. And on and on we can name the, the animals. Saul didn't know my rule. Saul didn't realize that is the, that's the way it works when the divine hunter is on your trail. Nor does anyone without Christ. Well, there may be passing moments in hard times when one may think, I just wonder if somebody's after me, someone I don't know. But we pass it off. It was a bad dream, but Saul can't ignore this one. Preoccupied with his uh, plan of attack, no doubt talked about it along the journey, which would take about a week in those days, traveling by cart or on horseback, from Jerusalem to the ancient city of Damascus, somewhere toward the end of that journey, something absolutely unexpected occurred. By the way, I, I, I love moments like that. I especially like them when they happen to someone else because I've had some of my own. And you're seized with feelings you did not realize were latent within you. A light shines from somewhere brighter than a laser, most likely bright as lightning, 
shines all around him, and the result is he lands on the dirt, a quivering mass of humanity. Suddenly, he isn't the um, standalone, watch out for me, terrorist that he has been all along. He loved that role. He loved that people cowered before him. No longer. He is flat on his back. And along with the lightning light, brightness of that light, there is a thunder-like voice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? His, his answer is, in all sincerity, oh, who, who are you, sir? The word he uses, or at least Luke uses in translating the term, kurios, K-U-R-I-O-S, translated Lord in our Bibles. Who are you, Lord? Is a word of respect. It meant like our word, sir. Who are you, sir? Who are you? He's never heard that voice before. He hears, according to his own testimony, when he stood before Agrippa years later, back in Acts 26, he also heard the Lord say to him, it is hard for you to kick against the goads What's a goad? Well, in the days of riding carts pulled by oxen, the one driving the cart would carry a long stake, long stick. The end of it would be sharpened to a point, and it would be used to punch the rump of the, of the oxen to get him move along lest he become sluggish and too slow in his pace. Get along there. Let's move on. And it would irritate oxen, and they would kick back, kick high against the goads that were being punched at them. In this day, in, in this case, Saul doesn't realize he's holding the goad and, and he, he can't kick at it much with success. He, he can't handle it. It's hard for you to do that. In other words, uh, you're pretty helpless in this journey, in this process of my getting your attention. You know what I think when he heard persecuted? Why are you persecuting me? I do wonder if he had a flashback regarding Stephen. Remember last time we were together? The story of that great man who was stoned to death. And in the persecution, the persecutors stripped to the waist and tossed their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. 
That's Saul of Tarsus. That's this man. He'd seen persecution. He'd been a part of it. He agreed to what was being done. He didn't hold them back from the stoning. Throw them. Get rid of him. He's dangerous in Saul's eyes. One fine expositor describes the scene like this. Saul the hunter was a brutal, implacable, bloody man. His goal was nothing short of the complete extermination of the way. He was a callous, self-righteous, bigoted murderer set on a full-scale inquisition. Yet this persecutor, by the grace of God, became an apostle of Jesus Christ. I, I know. I, unfortunately, you're familiar, most of you, this, your, your lips can move with words like that. You, you know, wait a minute. I've asked you to hear with new ears. This serial terrorist is going to write the manual for our Christian doctrines. This terrorist is going to map the way of world missions and give us principles by example of what it means to go into the world and preach the gospel. This terrorist is going to be the exemplification of an evangelist par excellence. Same man whose life is being transformed right here before our eyes. This limp man lying in the dirt has no idea what he must suffer and what he will do for the cause of Christ. All of that is before him right now. He's simply confused. He can't make heads or tails of what's happening. The blinding flash, the the voice like a the echo of a waterfall coming down with his name in it. He must have known at that moment. I have been on the wrong journey. How disillusioning it must have felt. He has given it with full passion. His name has been called not once but twice, so there's no mistake. 
The voice, wherever it was coming from, knew him, knew where he was. He respects him by calling him sir, but he has no idea what the plan is. Now he sees his agenda for Damascus has been reversed. Now, the hunted has been found. And the sovereign hunter has succeeded. Two things Saul learned from the encounter before I go further. First, he learns that Jesus is in fact alive. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And second, he realized it wasn't followers of the way, it was the way himself that he had been chasing after and that will now stop for the rest of his life. How marvelous of God. And the joy, joyful message is that he's still doing that. All around the world, including today. He's found some today. He's cornered them, he's called their name, and they've come to an end of their empty journey and they're realizing their path has been in the wrong direction. I see two lasting, timeless lessons in this story of the conversion of a terrorist. The first is to those of us who know the Lord. And if you're in that category, please hear these words. And, and don't forget them. Never write off anyone. I, I know, I know, you, you, you know someone, maybe a relative, maybe a former friend, maybe a former husband or wife, it, it may be some dreadful criminal you, you, you've said impossible. Put them at the top of the list. Throw away the list. Since the Lord is not willing that any should perish, we should not be willing to write off any name. I've known some pretty bad guys, uh, and, and so do you. I've seen some of them brought to their knees in the most remarkable way, the most remarkable way. And some in that condition, finding themselves all of a sudden helpless when they have once been strong and capable and stable, earning a fine living and marching ahead with their own agenda, 
brought to an end. And I, I thanked the Lord and felt the rebuke because I had marked them off as they're too far gone. No one is too far gone. No one. No, not even the one you're thinking right now. No one. If the Lord can reach Saul of Tarsus, he can reach anyone. Anyone. The hound of heaven never loses your scent. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro over the whole earth, seeking those who will be his. That's not hard for omnipresence. He's all over the earth. Uh, the, 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 the second lesson I, I need to get into, because it's to you, who are without Christ. You can run, but you can never escape. Never. <laughs> you, you may not want to admit it to anyone, but uh, in your hidden moments, when you're alone and no one else is around and you sneak a peek into the Bible, choose Psalm 139 and read it slowly. It'll tell you all about yourself, how you were made, how you are known, and how you cannot escape his presence. It even says, if I take the wings of the dawn, which is the poetic, artistic way of saying, if I could travel the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second, and I could get to the remotest part of the sea, even there, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold me. Even there, cannot escape. I remember much, when I was much younger, and we all were first reading, those of you who are older, remember reading that the Russians put up the Sputnik. Remember, some of you? Oh. Uh, the cosmonauts went around the earth and came back and they were so proud to announce they had been into space and they did not see God. W.A. Criswell preached on that particular event the following Sunday, I was told. He made a great statement. He said, if you had stepped out of that spacesuit, you would have seen God. He makes everything in space. He's never out of space. He's never away. He's never gone. He's never sleeping. He's never weary. He never overlooks. You can't escape. He's there. He's there, Saul. Right there. 
every roll of the cartwheel after leaving Jerusalem to demand, he was right there planning the time, right? Now, the light came. Right now, the voice was heard. You cannot escape. You can run. And maybe the one you love so much is now running, running, running. It's one of the favorite pastimes of the lost. We're just so proud of our stuff. <laughs> we have strange ways of promoting it. Joe Allen told me a cute story. He was in a pile of traffic and a beautiful, brand new, bright red Lamborghini came around and cut him off right in front of him. License plate red. GPA 2.7. Isn't that good? <laughs> I was no valedictorian, but I got a Lamborghini and you don't, baby. <laughs> so you, 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 you're going to hide in a Lamborghini? How about a Ferrari? How about a garage full of Ferraris? What are your playthings? Your uh, portfolio? Stuffed with cash? Really well healed into the millions, maybe billions? I don't know. Easy to think, I got it, got it made. Till the doc says it's stage four cancer and it's inoperable maybe three weeks, maybe less. Suddenly, you don't even want to look at the Lamborghinis or the Ferraris. Suddenly, you got nothing. You're like the one who wrote, one by one he took them from me, all the things I valued most till I was empty-handed. Every glittering toy was lost. And I walked earth's highways grieving in my rags and poverty until I heard his voice inviting, lift those empty hands to me. So, so I turned my hands toward heaven and, and, and he filled them with a store of his own transcendent riches till they could contain no more. And at last, I comprehended with my stupid mind and dull that God cannot pour his riches into hands already full. All of a sudden, all of the accolades, all of the applause from the Sanhedrin, all followers of Saul, 
meant nothing. Only the voice of God that spoke from eternity saying, you're going to go to Damascus. Interesting, he got to Damascus, but he was led by the hand, blind. We got there, was there three days blind. A guy named Ananias was told to come and tell him, the Lord has many things for you, Saul. And oh, you must suffer much for me. It's all in front of you, Saul. You thought your life was spent. Oh, it hadn't even begun. What I have for you. It's over, Saul. You're mine. Welcome. Now listen carefully. Here's a new agenda. Let me say to those of you who are around the newly present converts, welcome them. Don't put them on probation. Don't hold them at a distance. God's grace had brought, has brought them to the family. Welcome them in. Give them a place at the table. Thank them for coming. Pray for them. They're into a journey they never dreamed would happen. And rather than my saying they, I want to change it to you. Surely, in a gathering this size, including those online, there are multiple thousands of individuals Many of you have never, never come to Christ. You're on your own Damascus road, different from Saul, but it's your own, your own plan, your own agenda, your own stuff. You have no idea. He is on your trail. And today is part of that journey where it's my privilege to remind you You have been found. You will run no longer. Trust him. Come. Like Saul, don't, don't fight it. He's calling your name. Come. Come to him. Trust him. Join me as we close our eyes and bow our heads. The sacred moment right now, very important. I've been speaking, now it's the Lord who must speak. If he's making it clear to you that you are among those who have been running and trying to escape, hear him tell you, the running is over. You've come to an end. You are mine. My son has died for you and 
He is available to change your life and the course of the direction you've been going starting today. You will never be the same. Here's my gift. It's called eternal life. I'll never take it back. You can never lose it. Once you receive it, receive it now. Receive it now. Father, it is such a pleasure to be in your presence, such a comfort to know that you have preserved in your word a true story of a very mean and dangerous man who in a moment of time lost all of that and went through a brief process of change and then became your tool of hope truth and a new direction for millions of lives because he said yes to you. Thank you, Father, for hunting him down and bringing him to yourself. Now as you're in the journey of hunting others, I pray that for many that hunt will end today. They will bow before you and trust you as Lord and Master. That you might change their life as well. I ask this in the name of Christ, our Lord. Everyone said, Amen. Amen.